Today I get to interview the legend, Chris. You may know him as Drama. He's an entrepreneur, producer, reality TV star. He's best known for his roles in the reality shows Rob and Big and Rob Dyrdek's Fantasy Factory. He's also the founder and CEO of Young and Reckless Clothing. Chris is also the host of the very popular podcast, short story long. Chris and I talk about a wide variety of subjects from social anxiety to imposter syndrome to really falling victim to the fruits of success and victory. While you're listening to this podcast, if anything sticks out to you as thought-provoking or interesting, take a screenshot, write down what you heard, and go ahead and tag it on Instagram, on LinkedIn. Be sure to tag myself, and Drama will give you some love that you deserve. And without further ado, episode 256 with Drama. So Drama, the first thing that I always ask my guests to start is how do you spend your time here on planet Earth? How do I spend my time on planet Earth? I would say that the easiest way I know to describe it is I spend my time uh, learning and, and growing and trying to apply what I've learned and, um, and, and learning from those mistakes and keeping it moving. So evolving, I think, is the one word answer. Yeah, yeah. I love that. And, you know, I think when somebody takes a look at you, they see I, sort of the same coherent person, like you're the same person, but you're also involved in a lot of areas. And, you know, for me, I found about I found out about you just through the podcast, not so much your earlier life. But, you know, one thing that I love that you do is that it doesn't matter who you're talking to, whether, you know, it's the wolf on, the wolf on Wall Street or, you know, some, some rapper, you always find a way to sort of humanize it and bring it down so that everybody understands. And I know for me, you know, before sort of like living this, uh, this new path in my life, I definitely struggled with that because I thought that successful people, you know, never had fears, never had anxieties. But when I was able to hear that sort of like the full conversation, it, it really just shifted my mind, man. So definitely that's, that's awesome, man. I love how you can curate that environment. Yeah, no, I, I appreciate that. that. That's amazing feedback because that's one of my biggest goals um, with my podcast. And I think that I saw, you know, I was having the types of conversations that I have on my podcast, like in private with people like that. And mm-hmm. uh, I just thought like, man, if there's a way that I could get that I had learned so much and I had learned like, Oh, these people do have fears and worries and failures and all that stuff. But kind of then I would look at the way that these stories were being presented to the public and it didn't really look that way. And so I, my main goal was how do I let people see um, that these people are just real people? And hopefully you find something in every one of their stories that you can relate to. And therefore, you can then start to relate to their success or their happiness or whatever they've created and, and start to draw a connection between what's possible for you and what they did. Mm, mm, I see. Definitely. And, and I love that. That's why I always, you know, sort of at the beginning part of my show where just whenever it comes out, I always, you know, have my guests here on Humans 2.0, you know, sort of take us way back when to, you know, just some kind of a pivotal season of your life. I know for you, 
you sort of always wanted to to be a skateboarder. But, you know, what do you think sort of were really big, you know, shaping factors in making you who you are today? Oh, boy. I mean, I think at this point, <laughs> I have I have a lot, man. I could name a whole lot. But I would say the single, uh, there's two that come to mind. But what the first biggest one was, you know, I always wanted to be a skateboarder like you said. I was a skateboarder. I always wanted to be a pro skateboarder or work in the skateboard industry. And um, when I was 18 years old, I graduated high school and my goal was to move straight to Los Angeles. Well, right after I graduated, the weekend after I fell skateboarding, had a really serious brain injury, had a, a fractured skull and brain bleeding and multiple concussions and was in a coma for four days. And I woke up and, and sort of my 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 dream of like moving to LA and it wasn't even just a dream. It was like, it was already planned. Like I was ready to go, um, got seriously derailed and really threatened to be gone forever. So finally, six months later, I was healed enough to go ahead and move. I moved, but I was scared out of my mind. And it was a whole probably, you know, I, I don't even know. It, it was a couple of years of like pure anxiety and fear and just feeling in over my head and um, underprepared and, and whatever. But I think that really shaped me big time because not only is moving to LA scary and something to kind of come uh, get over when you're from small town Ohio, but I think when you added the injury and the fear that came along with that, it just, you know, I essentially had two choices at that point. And I wasn't really aware of it then, but it was either I was going to go back home and this sort of goal of leveling up in my life was was over or I was going to you know survive through the scariest time of my life and and be stronger for it and that's very much what happened once I got comfortable in LA and got used to my new life I was more confident than ever um, because I had made it through such a scary time absolutely and I, I love how you talk about that like you know every time where you're going through something that you've never been through before or where you're feeling a lot, you know, like anxious or, or fearful, you always sort of got to have in the back of your mind that like at the end of the day and sort of in hindsight in the future, this is going to make you way stronger. And, you know, I think what, you know, when I was hearing about your, you know, about your sort of semester when you were anxious, I feel like, you know, that really pushed you, like you said, to, you know, do the things that you needed to do. And I feel like it's almost sort of necessary to, to have that, to be able to push you or else, you know, if you're super comfortable, if you're super, you know, up on, you know, just super like, you know, peaceful or whatever it is. I mean, I don't know. I feel like you wouldn't necessarily be pushed to, to do certain things that when you look back on, you're like, wow. Yeah. I think you need you the know? challenge. I think the same way that you, uh, you know, if you want to go to the gym, you need weights, right? You need something to push against you. I think, um, a lot of the greatest accomplishments that anyone has ever done was actually pushing against some great uh, trial or, or something that they were facing or, or insecurity or family issue or whatever it may be. It was some great weight on them that they were pushing against. And I think uh, that's why you see a lot of people that had these nice, comfy, fluffy lives and they're not fulfilled and they have a whole different set of problems. So I think, you know, for a lot of people, it's easy to kind of complain about all the weight in your life, but I think that's actually a little bit of the the path to to your growth and, and starting to push against those things are the, that are the hardest for you can be the greatest source of, of your personal growth. 
Mm-hmm. Absolutely. And, you know, I, I'm curious. So when you were going through that moment where you were really anxious, how did you how did you cope with that? How did you um, you know, what did you end up doing, if anything, to sort of help you through those times? And what have you sort of learned over the years on what to do when, you know, you're in sort of a rough patch or things are going not so great? Yeah, I mean, I would say I've essentially I could track back being anxious to like as early as my memories go. You know, I, I would be scared to spend the night at a, a kid's house that I didn't know very well or nervous on the first day of school or whatever. So dealing with, you know, anxiety for, gosh, I mean, 25 years that I can remember, I, I've dealt with it in every single way kind of possible. I mean, I've dealt with it from just avoiding um, whatever scary I've dealt with it from, uh, drinking. I've dealt with it from, uh, I guess you could say finding my own, you know, like skateboarding was a little bit of a, a coping, you know, you could go off into your own mm-hmm. world and, and, and fall in love with something, which is really good. Um, I've dealt with it in all sorts of ways. Now, after all that time, I would say about five years ago is when I really started to learn proper tools, um, to, to deal with it. And that's things like meditation and reading and mm-hmm. uh, just becoming more aware of what it is, like learning about anxiety and learning about myself and the triggers and all this different stuff. And I've read a bunch of books about it. I've done as much as, as I, I could up until this point. Still, it's a very much ongoing pursuit, mm-hmm. but to really learn the proper ways of, um, of dealing with it. And, and that's made a huge impact on me. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Like, I feel like a big part of life is, you know, like I, for me, you know, when, when I sort of look back at my life, I was doing a ton of things that I feel like I was maybe unconscious of. But once I became conscious of, then I sort of had a decision to make. And it's like, you know, keep doing this thing that is getting you by that maybe you could call it like a negative coping mechanism. But I really feel like a big part of life is just getting out there and just opening your eyes, be open-minded, and just sort of look for better coping me- coping mechanisms, more health, healthier, ha- you know, habits. And I think, um, you know, when you talked about meditation, for me, meditation was totally, totally transformative. And yep. uh, I talk a lot about it on the show, but I'm curious to hear from you. Like, was it was it like an easy transition for you to get into it, or did you have doubts about it? And um, you know, is it something that you do on a consistent basis or anything that you know you've sort of struggled with at the beginning part when you first got in or even today yeah I think um so first of all when I first got into it it was super I thought it was super weird I thought it was some weird Buddhist stuff uh that you do wearing a robe and surrounded by like sage or something and and I always had that just idea of what meditation was and then a friend of mine uh recommended a book which is called 10% Happier by Dan Harris and um he did a really good job in that book of, you know, telling his story and how he was introduced to meditation, his kind of experience through it. And then, um, and then making it less weird or, or hippie or spiritual or whatever it is. Like he just brought it down to earth a little bit. So I started trying to do it. Um, it took a long time. It took a long time to really mm-hmm. be able to figure it out. But luckily, you know, I read in that book and I heard the more that I looked up that like, it does take time. It's something that takes practice. It's something that you're not going to be able to turn your brain off. Like it's good to know all those things because I've seen a lot of people try it 
um, and just instantly say, well, I can't do it. And then you stop forever. And, and, and that's really bad. And luckily I had that sort of guidance from, from reading that, that that would happen. So um, leading to today, I mean, I pretty much do it every day. I can't honestly sit here and tell you I do. I should. I try to. I have a note in my phone every day that reminds me. I'm pretty close to there, uh, but I still have some some work to do. I will miss days on like exceptionally busy days or out of my normal routine or whatever. But um, and now it's gotten pretty easy. It's still one of those things that um, you know, leading up to it, you're like, uh, I don't. Do I really need to do this? But then every time when it's over, you feel feel significantly better. And um, and I just. I love it, but it's always going to be, I think, a bit of a, ba- a battle. I don't think it'll ever yeah. be perfectly easy. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. I, I absolutely agree. Uh, for me, like I, you know, I try to do it every day, but sometimes it's, you know, it doesn't go 100%. And I think that's okay as long as I you know, just try my best. And I you know, view it as a sort of a high value, uh, you know, important action that I should take, man. And you know, you know, when somebody takes a look at you, um, you know, you're, you're very honest, you know, it feels like you have a lot of, uh, you know, peace within yourself. You have humility. You're definitely working on it. You're still human for sure. Um, but then when somebody takes a look at the sort of the other side or it's the same side, but you know, you've been on TV, you know, you've built a massive brand, you have, you know, a ton of business hits. And I'm curious to hear like, maybe like, what was your first like business win or, or something that happened that just made you think like, oh, you know, I, I can do way more or like I can totally, um, you know, really get at this and, and get good at it. Yeah. I mean, I think that my first, my first real business win was my clothing brand, Young and Reckless. And that was after a lot of failures. I mean, I will say that early on, I, um, when I was probably like 21, I started, I had grown up playing the drums uh, my whole life. And so I started doing like music production, like making beats. And I will say that early on, you know, I was doing, I was on this TV show, but I started making these beats and giving them to the executive producers and like begging them essentially to put it on the background music of the show. And so they did, and they put a few on there. And I think that might've been the first glimmer um, that maybe, you know, cause still, even though I was on, the show, there's still something about turning it on and hearing your music. This something that you created was a really cool feeling. And I kind of felt like that was going to lead me down a path of, you know, music production and scoring and stuff like that. And so that definitely gave me a little bit of confidence. But then I was, you know, pretty quickly filled with a few failures um, that definitely made me question again. And then Young and Reckless was a bit of a hard fought battle in the beginning. And when it really caught um, that was it. I mean, that was really what showed me like, gosh, you can really, really do something. Um, so that was a special moment for me, you know? Hmm. Hmm. Yeah. It's, I, I always like to ask that question, man. And, you know, I'm, I'm curious. So, you know, you, you went on TV, you were a big part of the, you know, skateboarding, you had that, uh, accident, you sort of shifted gears, and I just, I, I'm curious, I want to hear like, you know, what, what kind of failures did you end up experiencing in the music industry? Um, so in the music industry, it was, so the music industry is, gosh, especially when you're trying, well, when you're trying to do anything, it doesn't matter if you're trying to be an artist or a producer, up and coming, anything. 
it's a lot of blatant failures. And it's similar to like being an actor, like being an actor or a model or something like that would be very, very difficult because they're sort of, there's a lot, a lot, a lot of no's before you get a yes. And when they say no, so like bluntly, they're just saying no straight to this thing you made that you care so much about that you think is so good. So you kind of learn, it's almost like being a salesman too. It's like a, like a door-to-door salesman. Like you, you make all these beats, you send it out to all these artists and they just say, no, 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 no. And then you have people come to the studio and you play them beats and maybe you get some big artist or some big A&R to come in and you think that that's for sure going to be your lucky break. And they just sit there and, you know, text on their phone through all your, while you're playing all your music or they, you know, walk out early or they just shake their head no and say, thanks, whatever. Um, it's just a brutal sort of experience. So there was just a lot of those um, that really shook up that little bit of confidence in the beginning and also really makes you start to dig and question, you know, if this is your true passion, because if you're going to try music or anything like that, you have to really be passionate about music because that's the only thing that's going to keep you going, you know? Mm-hmm. That's, that's super interesting. And, you know, curious to hear from you while we're, you know, still on the subject for somebody that's like a producer or somebody that is, you know, learning some music or is even rapping. I'm curious to hear from you. What do you think is sort of the best way to break in, in like a sustainable way? Um, that's, that's good. So my, my two pieces of advice would be number one, make sure you actually are passionate about making music. That's number one. If you are doing this to get rich or because you saw a rapper on Instagram with a lot of chains or a producer or whatever, you're going to get creamed. Um, You have to be passionate about creating music. It's the only thing that's going to keep you going through all of those no's and through how harsh that industry is. Um, Second, I would say there is no best way. Try every way. Um, it's one of those industries where I truly don't believe there is a best way, a single best way. I truly believe it's one of those industries where you need to try everything. If you're a producer, you need to work with everyone, reach out to everyone, send your music to everyone, try literally everything. Same thing with an artist. Try collaborating with everyone. Try different songs. Try different you know approaches. Try playing live on the Santa Monica Pier. Try literally anything because you just never know. And anyone who tells you that they have the path to success in especially that industry, but really any industry figured out, they're just lying and and it's Mm. wasting your time to even listen. Hmm. Hmm. I see. And, you know, for like for you, when I when I take a look, you know, you've uh, you know, you have a you have a interview with uh, Wiz Khalifa on your podcast and, you know, you have a lot of, you know, you've, you have a lot of high profile people. You are, you know, a high profile person, but I'm curious to hear from you. Like when you were just starting out, what, what did you find to be the best way, um, maybe even as an introvert to get out there, like meet the, the who's who people that are doing awesome stuff that you really like? Well, the best way is just to do it, to just shut your brain. You know, I kind of learned like when I was growing up skateboarding, I kind of learned, 
you know, because you're, you're like jumping downstairs and you're doing all this stuff that's kind of scary. And, I, and, and you learn this technique that's just, you can look at something over and over. You can think about how you're going to do it. You can think about how it's going to go. At a certain point, you just have to turn your brain off and go. And whatever's going to happen is going to happen. It's usually not as bad as you think it's going to be. And to be honest, it's a very similar approach when you're scared of something like that. It's like there's no way around meeting people. There's no way around making relationships. It's everything in almost any business. It's so important. And if you don't like it, my, the best advice is to just shut your brain off, go, and then see how it was. Because I can guarantee you it's never as bad as you think it's going to be. It's never as scary as you think it's going to be. And it's really important to sort of sit when you get home from something like that or, mm. you know, whatever, have an experience like that and really sort of audit the difference between how you thought it was going to go and what you were scared of and then what actually happened. And you'll find every single time that it's never as bad as you thought. And, and most of the times mm. it's actually really enjoyable. So that's really, you know, I've, I've read a lot of books. I've, I've done a lot of work on it. At the end of the day, my best advice through all that is to just go and then make sure you, you know, write down or think about how it actually went compared to how you thought and then use that as advice to yourself for the next time around. Mm. That's so, so powerful. Something I do is, you know, whenever I feel like I'm getting anxious or I'm feeling really uncertain or not so confident about a new situation, I always think back and I'm like, wait, those other things that happened way back in my life that I was successful in, I felt the same way that I do today. And it's like, I feel like if you can kind of use that, uh, you know, future hindsight and have that awareness from that exercise or like that routine that you just talked about, that is unbelievably powerful. Um, 100%, man. Yeah, it is. I mean, I, I one time a, a friend of mine like explained it literally the same as you know, to get a little deeper, all these things are is repeating, you know, habits of thought, right? So you get invited somewhere, it's out of your comfort zone, you snap right into your normal response of how to treat a situation like that. And for people with anxiety and stuff like that, it snaps right into fear and lack of control and all that stuff. And it, even though it sounds so crazy to tell an adult, especially an adult 32-year-old man this, uh, it's the same as when a kid doesn't want his bedroom light off because he thinks the monsters are going to come get him. It's like, it's not a rational fear, but you don't tell that kid to shut up. You don't tell that kid he's crazy. And you also don't leave the light on. You slowly dim the light and, and let him go to sleep. And then you dim it a little bit more and then you have a nightlight and then eventually you turn it off and you let somebody grow and, and, and strengthen that muscle. But when we become adults, we don't have a parent or, or someone there to, to do that for us. So it's important to, you have to do that for yourself. You have to see your weaknesses and you have to, you know, baby yourself through them and, and get stronger and work through it. And, and it does get better, you know? Hmm. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely, man. And you know, what I was, what I was going to ask you is when you look at your life, what do you view as maybe like your highest high and your lowest low that you've experienced and what did you learn from those? So I could do a whole podcast probably just about those that question. Um, but <laughs> yeah, highest high, uh, highest high, I think was, it's hard for me to spot an exact moment, but I think it was more of a, a time frame. You know, I think that around like 26, 
there was a time frame for me when I was making a lot of money uh, that I never thought I would make for the first time in my life. Um, I was also kind of at the tail end of being on a TV show that was very successful. So people were recognizing me. My business was uh, was doing really well. And so it felt like everyone was recognizing me because my business was doing really well when really they weren't completely related. But it was just like this time frame of feeling like everything was just working out perfectly. And... Mm. And whatever, it felt, it felt really good. It was amazing. Um, then actually shortly after was probably my lowest low, probably two years later um, was when uh, I had a bit of a bump in the road in business. I had some uh, issues in relationships. I had friends that moved away. I had different these different weird chain of events that happened that really made me question everything and why I was doing any of it and why any of it had any purpose. And I don't know, that was a very empty, very lonely, very terrible feeling that's hard to even explain. Um, But anyone who's dealt with it knows, I mean, those things just kind of add up and you're left with this feeling of every morning. It's like, you know, why, why even get out of bed? What's the point of literally anything? And that's a terrible feeling. Mm -hmm. So it was actually both the high and the low were within a few year um, time frame. Absolutely, man. And, you know, I'm curious to hear from you as somebody who, you know, is a ton in the media. And I know how, you know, you've sort of played around with, with, with music to, you know, get people to think in a similar way. But I'm just curious to hear from you, like, how do you, in your best possible manner, try to send a message to somebody who is having like a real tough time? Because I think about that a lot, too, as a podcast host. Because I feel like for me, um, in you know some of like my darkest times, probably earlier in my life, it sort of felt like it's it might be a little bit harder to reach those people. I'm not sure. Do you, oh, have, any, yeah. do you have any thoughts on it? Yeah, yeah, it's yeah. it's incredibly hard because you know that's the terrible thing about that like mental space is everything that your brain says is like, yeah, that's easy for you to say, or yeah, but you you know, had this or your circumstance was different or Mm. yeah, you're talking to that person, but you don't understand my, you know, like that's just what your brain does. And it's this like vicious circle um, that just takes you downward. So it is really, really hard. That being said, it only takes one little thing to connect with someone to start to change it into a positive momentum. So the best thing that I know to say is you have to, you know, this game is this mental game is all about building confidence and seeing yourself moving forward. Because when all you can see is yourself moving backward and bad and negative and whatever, that creates that chain reaction. So my best advice not to get too philosophical about it is to literally do one thing today, this week, that will that you'll feel good about. And don't, don't set too high of a goal. Don't say, yeah, I did that, but blah, blah, blah. I mean, I remember when I was feeling really bad, I went and, and was like, oh, I'm going to start running. And I went for a run thinking I could run around my block, like probably, I don't know, I could probably run like three miles, I thought. I literally ran around my block one time. It was half a mile. And I was out of breath, thought I was going to puke, felt like I was going to pass out, whatever. But I did it. It was still something new. I was sweating. I, I got off my couch. And the next day I ran, you know, uh, 
three quarters of a mile. And the next day I ran a mile. And then the next day, and before you know it, now all of a sudden you think you're some workout expert. And now you're, you know, you're some cross country runner and you start to feel good about yourself. And that motivates you to do more and more and more. So whatever the thing is, it doesn't have to be physical working out, stuff like that, even though I think sometimes that is the best way to start the ball rolling. You just have to set a very, very small attainable goal. Do it. Keep the promise to yourself. Prove that you can do something. And you build confidence from that. And then all of a sudden, everything starts to look a little brighter and look up. And those things just pile on top of each other. Mm -hmm. Absolutely. It's like, you know, building momentum. It's like that that domino effect. You know, once you get going, once you're moving, it's much easier to take that next step rather than just sitting down. And, you know, for me growing up, I never exercised. I was always sitting down. And so when I did exercise, that was like one of the greatest things for me. And I always recommend it too, because really everything is so, so related to, you know, what you do in the morning to how you exercise to you know, even all the kinds of behaviors, what you, you know, put in your body, all that stuff really, really, you know, impacts your, your, you know, your, 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 ha- your, uh, your talent, your skills, whether you're in music, whether you're doing a podcast, a lot of that stuff is so correlated. And I feel like, you know, once you can, you know, once you can sort of begin to use these tools, you can start to get stuff out of the way and you can just sort of focus in on like the actual, dream or you know what you think you should be paying attention on but um what do you think yeah yeah 100 percent. i think uh i think physical exercise stuff like that is definitely a really really good gateway i think reading i think it doesn't matter if you've ever read in your life or i mean i didn't i hadn't read i can't remember ever reading a book in my life until age probably 26 and now I read a book a week almost religiously, not because it's a challenge. It's just how much time I make for it. It just happens. And mm. so I think reading is a really good thing. Um, physical workout, anything like that. I just think it's so important to say you're going to do something, not set the goal too high. Read one page. That's it. Just buy a book. That Go look online for recommendations. There's a million of them and they're all good. Buy the book read one page a day for the next week. See what happens. It will cause a chain reaction that will uh, lead to a bunch of other things. And, and that type of stuff is so important. Yeah, absolutely. I totally agree. So, you know, another thing that I, I wanted to ask you about is, you know, at any time in your career when, you know, you had one of those big uh, successes when you know you were on a TV show or when you had those really ha- great wins in business. I'm curious, did you ever you know experience maybe any you know potential uh, downsides to that? Like um, you know feeling you know maybe you know did you ever suffer with ego? Did you ever get too much in your head? Did you ever struggle with like imposter syndrome or or anything that um, you know even once you got successful, you know you still had different struggles and like. What do you see a lot of successful people, um, different traps that they can maybe even fall into? Yeah. Yeah. I think there was a lot of them. I think there was definitely a little bit of imposter syndrome. I think um, not too much like arrogance, but I think that like you almost start to feel like no one can relate to you, which is also a form of arrogance, right? Because you just think you're like so different and unique that nobody could possibly understand. So even though I wasn't like outwardly facing 
um, arrogant, that is a very self-centered way to be. Um, and I think just kind of lonely because of all that, right? I think that, you know, the majority of the time, um, it was really great and it was really fun. And I don't want to make it sound like success is um, scary or bad or nothing because yeah. most of the time was was amazing. But I think that there definitely is feelings of more so than anything, like feeling a little secluded and feeling like it's all on you. And, you know, for the most part, all of my friends at the time worked for me, you know, they worked for young and reckless or they worked for whatever. Mm -hmm. And so there's this kind of feeling at the end of the day of like, you know, uh, are these my real friends? Are these people that are going to tell me what I want to hear because of blah, blah, blah. And I think, you know, you can sort of play with all those thoughts and there's definitely, um, I would say just as much, if not more, lessons that you need to learn to successfully sustain success as you do to make it through failure. You know, it's a whole different challenge on yeah. on you. Yeah, absolutely. And I feel like it's definitely not, uh, you know, talked about that much. And like for me, um, I, I sort of had like a version of that when I was 15 years old, got really successful uh, financially. And um it totally, totally messed with my head. And I feel like it actually, you know, made things a little bit worse for a while, but only until, you know, it was sort of leading me to become aware of something to change up how I was living my life, man. Um, and I feel like you, you have a lot of experience in this, just, you know, of, of the person that you are, like the media that you kind of put out. And I'm curious, like, let's say like tomorrow, if, you know, a friend of yours calls you up and he's like, Hey, you know, my cousin, um, I don't know, maybe went viral or, you know, something like something, something where there's like an instant, um, you know, success, something that somebody's not used to. Yep. What would be like a few things that you would just want to tell that person right away off the bat? Oh, gosh. I mean, I think um, the main thing is trying, which this is just so hard. I mean, there's so much of this stuff that yeah. you can't like, it's if someone just went, let's just say viral or something like that. Right. And they just came up on a bunch of recognition and, and a bunch of money. If that's the case, it is really hard to tell anyone anything. And there's a lot of, you just got to let people learn their own lessons. And that's what I needed. I mean, there were people who told me a lot of good stuff um, that I didn't listen to. And to be honest, I think, like you said, I think that there's actually a lot of people that talk about the pitfalls of success. It's just that nobody wants to hear them because if you're not really successful, you don't care about successful people complaining. So I think that the warnings are out there and the lessons are out there, but a lot of times you got to learn them yourself. But I think, um, you know, the main thing would just be to try by any means necessary to not take it the same way you would tell someone who just got like broken up with or just got fired or whatever. You say, Hey man, keep your head up. You know, it's not that big of a deal. It's the same thing with overwhelming success out of nowhere. It's, hey, man, it's not that big of a deal. You know, you got to, they're still tomorrow. They're still moving forward. They're still 10 years from now. You're not a different person. You know, you didn't just figure out the hack to life. Congratulations. You're having some success, but stay level, you know, is the biggest thing. Mm. Mm. Yeah. I, I absolutely love that. And, you know, John, when you mentioned that you're a big reader and you're, you're always trying to learn and, you know, you've had on some of these authors on your show and, you know, you've been doing this podcast for, you know, some time now. 
Yeah, three years. I'm curious to hear, like, that's awesome, man. Yeah, and and I notice that every time it consistently, you know, gets better from, uh, you know, the varying, uh, you know, sort of like the, the topics, the, uh, like, I know you talk about how when you first started your podcast, you were, you were not so great, or like the first few episodes were oh, yeah, was not that great. Yeah. And so, yeah, I'm curious to hear from you, like, what, how do you view like the evolution of your podcast and like how you've grown as a span of that time with like the different guests they've had an impact on you? Yeah, it's crazy. I mean, I think when I first started it, it's been three years pretty much now, which is insane. But and because when I first started it too, my promise to myself was I'm just going to do this for a year. So I promise I will do this exercise. It's like a project is how I looked at it for one year. I'll interview people that inspire me. And then when that year is over, I'll decide if it's really so great, I'll keep going. If not, it's something I can be proud that I did. I have all these interviews kind of locked in time forever. And that was really my only goal. And now three years later, it's turned into this whole different thing. But um, when it comes to evolving, I mean, I thought when I started that I would be great at it. I thought like, man, I'm cool. I'm funny. I'm smart. I'm whatever. I really thought, you know, uh, highly of myself. And I started it and I was absolutely horrendous. And that is usually the moment when everyone quits, including myself. I mean, I'm surprised I didn't quit because you're kind of faced with not only like I knew I was going to suck and I do suck. It's like, I thought I was going to be good and this is terrible. And, um, and, and, but I knew that I could, you know, it sort of revealed to me a bit of a flaw that I wanted to fix, which is you can't sit with someone and have an interesting conversation for an hour. You can't. What happens if you get an opportunity to go to lunch with someone that you really look up to? Are you not going to take it because you can't sit and have an interesting conversation? And so I realized that there was something there that I wanted to strengthen and wanted to work on. And so I slowly just it's literally I, I watched a lot of other people's interviews. I watched interviews about interviewing. I watched um, just generally people that are good at conversations and what makes that different and what, you know, storytelling and all that different stuff. And then more importantly than any of that, because there is no silver bullet, I just did it a million times. And, you know, I do my, my main podcast, Short Story Long, I've done like 160 episodes of, but then I have another one with my business partners, um, that we've done another 120 episodes of. And so now I've just done it so many times that I don't think when I listen to the pod back, like if I have a really interesting guest and I really want to see how I did, because I don't recommend anyone listening to their own voice for too long, but I will listen to it back and sort of critique um, where I could have done better and where I'm saying um too much or yeah or whatever. And I still don't listen to it and think I'm like, a great interviewer, but I think that I can be. And I think that my show is very listenable. And I think that the guests, I do think I get a unique angle, but I see in 150 more episodes that I could truly be a unique voice um, on this platform for, for this type of content. Mm, mm. Absolutely. I, I love how you said, like, you know, you can have these interviews locked in time. Forever, I and I, I think we're very similar in the way that we think in terms of just getting better. Like for me, massive, you know, massively felt and still sort of am socially anxious. And I was like, man, I've got to start this podcast to not just learn, but also just challenge myself and have these conversations. And um, you know, I've done a lot of them in person too, and so that's always a, a good uh, challenge 
But um, but I'm curious, man. Somebody who's been in the podcast game and you know is a man of your caliber. I'm curious. What would you say to an up and coming podcaster who wants to find like their own little like unique, uh, you know, movement? I mean, I don't know movement. I guess they want to start from a podcast. So I would say this is kind of a repeating theme from me on this one, and and I don't mean it to be. There's so much, like, trust me, I've read so many books. I've talked to so many really smart people on my podcast. I've taken in so much content. Nothing, and all that is great. Like, trust me, it's very, very helpful, and I strongly recommend everyone do it. But nothing is as helpful for something like this as just repetition. And it's just doing it more and more and more and more. And if there's a guest that challenges you that you think like, I've had a couple of guests where I thought like, man, I don't, I don't know if I really belong even talking to this person. Like, I don't know if I can even hold a conversation. Those are the ones that you need to do the most because they'll surprise you the most. They'll teach you the most about yourself. You have to dive into the hardest, you know, it's the same way. If you're playing basketball, you don't want to play basketball. You don't want to learn to play basketball with a bunch of kids that are worse than you. You want to play with the best people you can find because it's going to lift your game. So do it as much as you possibly can. Do it with the most challenging people you possibly can. And I'll say that like everyone really overstresses this like finding their purpose and finding their unique lane and all that different stuff. I will say that that is necessary and it is something you should pay attention to. But don't pay attention to it so much that you're not just being yourself because actually being yourself is your unique link. So sure, you might need to like spice it up and you might need to find your strengths and make sure you amplify them. But the only way you're going to find a unique lane is if you be the most yourself that you possibly can and be the most curious about what you're curious about. And that is going to be the unique voice that shines through. If you think of any of the great content creators, interviewers, you know, Howard Stern, um, all those people, they're just themselves so raw and so unapologetically. And that's not only what people love about them, but it's what creates their unique lane and why everyone wants to go do an interview with them. Mm. Mm. That's so awesome, man. I'm, I'm definitely going to have to re-listen to that and, and, and take notes again. But you know, I'm I'm really curious to hear from you. So you've got this awesome podcast going. You also have, you know, this is just one thing. You you also do other things. But I'm curious to you, like, do you have your eyes, you know, set on anywhere that you you, know, you necessarily want to go towards the future and towards sort of what you're creating? So I think you know, I really like, like you said, like I have a few different areas. Um, that there's a little bit of different paths for. And, and, and so I think about them kind of in segments. Um, I do the podcast stuff and that's really cool. That being said, I don't really, I can't say that I have this great ambition to be the world's greatest podcaster. Um, I like taking what I'm learning and the relationships and the message from short story long and figuring out what is the next sort of iteration of that. So not to say that I wouldn't always do the podcast. But for instance, a couple of months ago, I did an event and it was my first ever event here in LA. And I took a lot of the people that I had had on the podcast and I created panels and Q and A's and all these different things. It was this all day event. And I sold 500 tickets 
and the place was packed and um i don't know it was really cool and there was something about actually seeing in person your audience and seeing the types of people that you're talking to and be able to talk to them in person and i'm i'm creating this really unique audience of these really cool young people that want to to start a business or they want to you know become a, a a professional athlete or whatever it is. And they're finding this unique voice in what I'm doing. So to get to the point, I think that there's very much something with events and um, live activations and stuff like that, that I could do in sort of the podcast lane when it comes to young and reckless stuff. I mean, it's just been like, that has been my business education has been building and, and growing and maintaining young and reckless. And it's still what I spend the majority of my time on every day um, today. And I mean, the podcast, everything I do is out of the office in the young and reckless office. And so I think eventually, you know, taking what I've learned from all of that and learning how to apply it to other businesses, whether it's in the apparel space or not, I think I've learned so much valuable stuff and I genuinely enjoy creating brands and businesses and, um, and growing them. And, and it's like a puzzle. It's like a, you know, it's like playing chess or, or playing a game. And, um, and I really enjoy that. And so I would say those two things, I mean, I could probably go on and on about more, but those two things are the main focus and the main, you know, where I spend the most of my time, where I've gotten the most education. Um, that's kind of my path forward. Mm. Mm. That's awesome, man. It's going to be so great to, you know, see where you're going. And I, I saw that event and looked totally, totally awesome, especially with the, the speakers that, that you brought in. And uh, it's only, it's only up from here, man. But, you know, I'm, I'm curious, you know, we'll have all the links down below to where people can, you know, check out your social media and your website. But is there anything like specific that you would want people to, you know, check out right now? Um, the only two things are you go to youngandreckless.com and you'll see everything we've got there. Um, I'm really proud of it and really proud of how that's evolving and, um, check that out. My Instagram is just drama. Uh, that's where I put pretty much everything. And then my podcast is short story long, uh, everywhere where podcasts are. If you do those three things, I, I couldn't ask anything else. That's awesome, man. Um, so dude, the last thing that I'm going to ask you is, at the end of the show, I'd love to have my guests leave the audience with maybe some kind of a self-inquisitive question that they can maybe ask themselves or just like something that they could do, some kind of an exercise, some kind of an action that they can do like literally right after listening to this, like right now at the end of the show. Yeah. Anything comes. Yeah, I would say the thing that's been like the simple thing that's been the most uh, helpful for me is to write down five goals that you plan to accomplish in a year. So let's say by July of 2020 and write them down as if they are already, they have already happened. So I run 10 miles a week. I, uh, I have started my first e-commerce business and I'm doing, you know, a hundred thousand dollars a year in sales. I blah, 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 right. You get the point. So write it down. Only do five would be my suggestion. Um, make them attainable. Do not set yourself up to fail 
And then I don't care. Do something extreme, like literally write it in your phone, screenshot it, make it your phone's wallpaper, um, print it out, Mm. put it on your bathroom mirror and say it out loud at least once a day. And I know it sounds ridiculous. I know that you might be saying, listen, man, I'm clear on my goal. I know what I want. Uh, You might be saying, listen, I don't have time to focus on goals because my life sucks. Whatever it is, I don't care. Write it down, Mm. say it every day. And uh, I just think a lot of people will be amazed at what happens over the next year if you do that. Absolutely, man. I, I think that's so, so, so powerful. Um, drama dude thank you so much for for coming on thank you to everyone out there for listening this has been your host thank you, man. of course man this is uh this is such an honor and thank you to everyone out there for listening this has been your host mark mashry damn you made it till the end of the podcast that's really rare in the age of digital distraction This really means the world to me. I really hope you enjoyed it. Feel free to hop on over to my website, Mark Metry, or message me on social media. I'm on Instagram. I'm on LinkedIn. I'm on Twitter. My name is Mark Metry, M-A-R-K-M-E-T-R-Y. I'd love to hear from you. I'd love to hear what you learned in this episode, and I'll be sure to get in touch with you. And if you really, really love the podcast, I'd highly appreciate it if you went on iTunes right now and left me a review. It helps way more than you know. Let's get this Humans 2.0 grassroots movement going. Woo! Get out there and do something impactful today.